Welcome back to BCF Moment of Truth. We are Bethel Campus Fellowship, and our vision and mission is leading students to Christ and preparing them to become reliable men and women that God can entrust with his word for the next generation. My name is Sarah Akeh, and I'm so excited that you're back here again for another episode. Today, we are going to be talking about Christ on campus. And as you probably know, the theme for our national conference is Christ on Campus 2.0. So we're going to first introduce our guest before we pray and get into the topic. So you can share your name, your schools, and how you have or currently serve in BCF. Alrighty, I'll go first. Hello, guys. My name is Mark Suma. Um, here for round two. Uh, graduated from the University of Maryland, and I currently serve as the mentor for the eBoard and the fellowship there. Hello, my name is Abigail Graham. I attend Coppin State University, and I serve as the president. Hello, hello. Hey, everyone. I'm Dr. Toby Alke. I serve in BCF LST, Leadership Services and Training, graduated from University of Maryland, College Park, University of Maryland, Baltimore. All right. Hello. Yeah, I'm Uncle George, George Ude, if you want to be formal. <laughs> I'm a, a professor at Bowie State University, professor of biology to be specific. Um, the national direct, the national director of uh, Bethel Campus Fellowship. It sounds like I'm a little bit tired, but I am good to go. So <laughs> pay attention. Pay attention. <laughs> All right, let us pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for every single person who is listening. I pray, God, that you would speak to their hearts, Lord, concerning this theme of Christ on campus. Holy Spirit, I pray, would you open up every single ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. We just thank you, and we pray that you would even lead this discussion in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. So Christ on campus. I want to read the scripture that is anchoring this episode and anchoring this discussion. It is from Acts chapter 19 verses 8 to 10. And this is also where the theme scripture for the national conference comes from. And it says, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, did it both times, both Jews and Greeks. Amen. Amen. So um, we see just from the scripture alone that even in the Bible, Christ was on campus. (laughs) Even in the Bible, campus ministry was happening. And I know that we've probably all heard about various types of campus ministries. We can name them. We don't have to. But I think it's good for us to, first of all, define what campus ministry is. What does it mean to do ministry on campus. So anyone want to take a job and just share what is campus ministry? What are we doing here? Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Everybody's looking at each other <laughs> like the Spider-Man meme. I um, can just say something very quickly. You know, when every time I read this, I see something between church and campus ministry that seems to be very clearly mm-hmm. laid out. Yeah, it's like campus ministry would never have started if the church responded the way it should have responded to the gospel. That's the way it's written, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's the way it's written. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, this man of, this man of God and his people, his team, they were forced, basically, mm. to look elsewhere for a platform. <clears throat> So they went to the campus and they got the platform that we needed. So you know it's it's good also somehow if you look at it. The church, the church's uh, resistance opened the door mm. yeah. for Christ so in another place, you know. So I um, mean in that if you look at it that way, it's it, it look, it's not it's not that campus ministry is a substitute for church or mm-hmm. you know, or that church is really bad. You see when God wants to do something, yeah. 
Yeah. He does it. He allows the church to resist the gospel so that this man of God can reach the entire Asia. Mm. Because if he remained in church with a very few people from the same area, usually, yeah. he wouldn't have gone to a place where all nations gather. Mm. You yeah. find people from all nations on campus. How many are we here? We, we have... Kenya, Jamaica, Ghana, Sierra Leone, Nigeria. Nigeria, can you imagine? <laughs> That's so crazy. How many nations are represented right. here? And we all Met came from schools, campuses. Yeah. We're not in the same church. Yeah. And if you, come to Zem, if you come to my church, you see 90% Nigerians. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not how it's designed to be. Uh, many churches are diverse, but there are not very, very many that are that way. Mm. So, but you walk into any campus, no matter how small, yeah, you see different nationals mm. that speak different languages, yes, that understand different cultures, and there's nothing as good as somebody learning about Christ and taking it to his own culture, yeah, amen. Because the language has to do with communication of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So we learn it from this campus ministry. We get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We're able to go back to my Nigerian people and say, hey, this, and then you go to Sierra Leone, you go to Kenya, you go to, you know, the, uh, you stay here in the United States and you can tell them and they will listen to you. Mm. That's what happened. Wow. Mm, so yeah. campus ministry became an open door. Mm. Yeah. When open door. There was a resistance Amen. to the gospel. Amen. 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 Yeah. Go ahead and share. What is campus ministry? Yes, um, I would say that campus ministry, in the simplest terms, is introducing Jesus to students and bringing Jesus to students. Amen. And the reason why I say that is because college often has a reputation of taking students away from the gospel mm -hmm. or just away from what they grew up as because, um, as Mark said earlier, when students go to college, they're finding out who they are. And so they are saying, hey, I'm away from my parents. Let me find out what I really want to do. And that is an open door for the enemy to actually get them and say, okay, well, let's introduce you to drugs. Let's introduce you to alcohol. Let's introduce you to all these other worldly things. Mm. And I feel like campus ministry, it's a direct confrontation with the kingdom of darkness where we're saying no, you cannot have these students, mm. but these students are going to know Christ. And I think another thing is that when you really think about it, campus ministry is really that last step because once they graduate and they get into the real world, then they are fully autonomous adults. And there's no one essentially to bring them. Like we don't really have that same power, um, to draw them to Christ as much as we do on campus because they yeah. are, they are on campus. They have to stay on campus. Mm. But once they start working, once they graduate, once they start having families, it's easier for them to say, Oh, well I have this going on. I have that going on. I don't have time for Christ. Yeah. Um, so I really feel as though campus ministry, it's such a vital point where we're getting them in that vital time where they're in a vulnerable state and it's either, we introduce them to Christ and we introduce them to how Christ can change their life for the better or we don't. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's powerful. Were you going to say something? No, she said, stated it very well. Yeah. So, yeah. And I like in what I'm hearing from both you, Abigail and uncle George is that campus ministry can happen apart from an organization. So campus ministry does not have to be limited to you finding, um, you know, a, a group to, to attach to to do it. But it's you making up your mind to say, I'm going to bring Christ on campus to students. I love that. Um, and you all were also talking about some of the value and the benefit that comes from being on campus. I mean, just here alone, we talked about how there are so many different nationalities. And it reminds me of when I was on campus at University of Maryland College Park and we had exchange students from China. Now, on a regular basis, I'm not going to be meeting somebody who is directly from China. I might meet someone who is a first-generation immigrant or who is a Chinese-American, mm. but I met someone from China who did not know what Jesus was. Not just the person, but the word, as in what is a Jesus. Mm. And it opened my mind yeah. to realizing that— Same experience, I had that too. Yeah, yeah. like 
it, it, it was as if I was speaking a different language other than English. And I realized, wow, if this person who has never heard Jesus before encounters Christ and goes back to China after they're done um, studying abroad, imagine what can happen in their country where probably other people just like them don't even know what a Jesus is. And that's one of the values that we get from campus ministries that literally anybody from anywhere can be on the same campus. You can have every nation on the world on one campus. And College Park in particular has, what, 50,000 students or something like that. Just imagine what can happen when all of us go back to our respective places of influence. So let's talk about it. What are some other ways and why um, is campus ministry important and what value does being on campus bring? Yeah, just to touch on it, I mean, the scripture here, Acts chapter 19, really uh, highlights it in verse 10. It says, um, and Paul continued for two years so that all who dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord, um, the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And it reminds me of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 19 mm-hmm. um, to 20. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, yeah. baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all the things that I commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so this is powerful because the great commission is to go to all nations, right? Yeah. And all nations are gathered strategically on many of our campuses or nations that you would otherwise have to travel to and go to. They are found on our campuses, whether it's the Asian student association, whether it's the Jamaican student association, the Hindu student association, all these different places that people are on this, uh, this unique, platform African Students Association (laughs) African (laughs) Students Association I know know we're deep here right now but the 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 point is that this is a unique opportunity to fulfill the gospel it's a great mission field uh to be able to fulfill um the plan that Christ has uh, called us to fulfill so I think that's the one of the unique things and the values of campus ministry yeah yeah I can go ahead and jump in um Abigail touched on something that I did want to uh, just hone in on a little bit. Like the fact is just right off the bat, people on campus tend to generally be young, Mm -hmm. right? In Proverbs 22, it says, you know, teach a child in the way that he should go. And Mm. when he's older, he will not, what, Mm. depart from it, right? Um, Now, that's not to make the point that anyone on campus or coming to the conference is a child. But the reality is this, right? When you're young, you're learning, right? And the older that you get, the harder it is to learn new things. um, or to adopt new patterns of thinking, Um, being saved when you, man, I I can't forget it. There was a conference, I think it was maybe uh, 2021. um, The man of God had basically said, you should never envy someone who comes to Christ late in life, right? Mm. It's very hard for someone who has lived their entire life sinning and just living in the world to, Mm. you know, I mean, God is able, God's grace is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than what we can think or ask, but it's like, man, how sweet it is to encounter the Lord young and to have your whole life to grow and to learn Mm. and to just, you know, let your life be a canvas for him. Right. Um, you're not just spending the whole time sweeping up the mess that's been made for the last 40, 50 years, you know? So, uh, the first thing to know is that on (laughs) campus, right. (laughs) There is the opportunity. (laughs) Uncle George is laughing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So he knows. Oh my goodness. That's, that's real. Literally. Um, but yeah, like on campus, um, you know, sort of going off that it's kind of the case and, and Abby, Abby touched on this again, like, Um, You know, there's kind of this temptation to think that like Christ doesn't belong in schools, Mm -hmm. uh, that the gospel doesn't belong on campuses. The reality is historically, strictly historically speaking, this could not be further from the truth. The reality is that schools were always designed to be. Um, what's the word? Forums, right? These places where open discussion um, of radical ideas could take place, free from political influences, free from, you know, socioeconomic pressures, free from race and, and, and different things. Schools were literally meant to just be places where people could gather and learn, right? Um, I'm even talking about like, you know, if we think back to ancient philosophers like people would literally gather and discuss things um and it's no different with the word of god um in Acts 17 i want to read this real quick uh Acts 17 verses 16 down to 34 you guys can read i'm not going to read the whole thing um, but you guys can go and check that out if you want to read it but it's basically about paul doing exactly what we see jesus doing in our key verse here but reading from verse 16 it says while paul was waiting for them in athens he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. 
So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this blabberer trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. Mm. They said this because Paul was <laughs> preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19 is so powerful. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of, of the Areophagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting, mm. right? You are bringing some strange ideas to our, to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean, right? You guys can go and read the whole chapter. It's really, really good, but it, it touches on even what Sarah was saying, right? Like, there are people who have never heard of the gospel, right? Yeah. In today's day and age, it is possible, it is true, there are people, and they could be sitting next to you in class, right? They've never heard the gospel. They've never even had an opportunity to, to say yes or no, right? The reason why, and this is kind of getting to the question that we're looking at, why is campus ministry important? It couldn't be closer to the truth that um, campuses are built to receive the gospel. Mm. They are quite literally built to receive the gospel because people have gathered to learn. People have gathered to have their challenge, their ideas challenged and to have their horizons expanded. Is there mm. anyone who comes to college expecting to leave knowing exactly what they came in, no, to leave without any new information. There's right. nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is there anybody? There's no one. Right? Money. Literally. It's a waste of money. If that's what and you've loans. decided to do, just don't even go to college. Right. Yeah. The whole point is to be challenged, is to be uncomfortable. It's to be stretched. Right. And people may not understand this consciously, but they understand it unconsciously. And when you come to them discussing things relating to matters of actual importance, what happens when we die? Mm -hmm. Right. What is love? Mm. right? What is the purpose of life? Students, right, in a, in a different way compared to people who are older and have been in the workforce for a long time, students are particularly um, enabled to ask these critical questions and not just gloss over them. That's literally what critical, like, you know, thinking critically yep. is all about. So, mm -hmm. um, man, that was kind of a lot, but yeah, that yeah, is, uh, <laughs> yeah, let me I think that's literally what Yeah, please, Uncle George. Let me just help you. Um, I want to just read out of what I, I found. I have known this for a long time, but for the purpose of this uh, podcast, I looked it up again. Um, did Harvard University start as a Christian school? That's a question that, you know, uh, I, I would like someone to answer. Yes, but right. I will, you don't. Uh, no? You don't need to go look look up the answer. I'll give it to you. He <laughs> <laughs> said uh, Puritans established Harvard College in 1636, shortly after arriving in Massachusetts Bay. Harvard's mission statement, given in 1642, was clearly evangelical. And what is that? What was the the mission and the vision? Everyone shall consider as the main end of his life and studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Mm. That was the mission statement of Harvard University. Wow. When is that? I will read it again. Everyone shall consider as the main end of his life and studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Mm. Mm. Can somebody look up John chapter um 17, verse 2 and 3, and read it for me. Because it appears that that's where that scripture came from. Mm -hmm. That's the mission of first-class university in the world. Mm. John 17, verses 2 to 3. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Thank you. Thank you. Not just Harvard. In the most universities in the U.S. were established as in institutions of faith. Mm. These things are hidden. Thing, people that this generation don't know this. Mm. Yeah, they have painted yeah. a picture that universities are supposed to be secular, you know, institutions. Not nothing religious should ever come there. They forget that the foundation of the universities were laid on the assets of the Church of wow. Christ Himself. Wow. Yes, the people of God, they are tithes. The f money they raise from local churches. Bowie State University came out of the 
the sweat of slaves, freed slaves, who didn't know what to do when they were freed. They came together, the church in Baltimore came together and built a small institution to train them so they can become teachers. Wow. That's how Bowie State. Wow. They, they, that's why the motto of Bowie State is the flame of faith, the touch of truth. Mm. That's the motto of Bowie State till tomorrow. Mm. You know, nobody talks about that. Some yeah. some professors who think they are very wise now come. They know, they know they are building on the foundation that Christ laid. Mm. They're talking philosophy. There's no God. This and I just <laughs> I just look at them with. Now Yale, Yale. Am I pronouncing it well? Yeah, Yale, Yale University <laughs> was also and and Dartmouth were also built by Puritans. These were Christians, holy people, purity, purity. <laughs> you know, these were not anyhow people. I mean, College of purity, William and okay. Mary, Church of England, Princeton. Princeton was built by the Presbyterians. Mm. Mm. Princeton wow. University. Wow. Rutgers University. Dutch Reformed Church. Mm. So you go Stanford. These were Christian institutions. Mm. Yeah. Because believers in those days believed that Christianity was best spread through the workforce. Mm. So it wasn't to go and be pastor. It wasn't unless you're a pastor on the on the pulpit that you're a Christian. They mm. they trained engineers, they trained lawyers, they trained professional nurses, and sent them across the world so that they could manifest Jesus Christ, mm. so they could show compassion. Mm. And that's why when you went to the hospital in those days, you met people who prayed for you, who loved on you. Mm. Today, huh. there are more deaths in the hospital. Mm through medical errors, by people who are just looking for money, who have no compassion for sick people. Mm. We're releasing a workforce that is heartless, that Mm. doesn't care about humanity. More Mm. people are dying despite the education, despite the uh, science, despite knowledge. The more knowledge is increasing, the more we are losing people to different types of diseases and catastrophes. Mm. Mm. Why? Because Christ, who is compassion himself, Mm. has been removed from from the the very institutions that he founded. Wow. So I think that we need to teach these things to people. We need to tell these people, tell these truths because the lie is prevailing. And that's why Christ has to get back on campus. Mm -hmm. And he cannot, unless you and I, who are his ambassadors, take him back, take the word of God back to our campuses. Yeah, no, I agree. I think what... Uncle George, what you have said, and, and Mark, what you were saying is exactly what we see um, happening even in the scripture in Acts 19. They realize, okay, these old people are stuck in their ways, but if we could have got them when they were on campus, maybe things would look different. Mm. So where did they go to the campus? And even the Puritans, the, pres- the, the who were the Presbyterians, yeah. they understood that, okay, we see what is happening in the world around us. Where can we infiltrate so that Christ can actually actually influence our society and it's when you are on campus um but i want us to talk about uh, talk about it because we see today obviously no one really acknowledges the fact that harvard and yale and stanford were built on the foundation of christ so someone might say this is evidence that christ on campus does not work or this is evidence that christ should not be on campus because if it was valuable then the schools would have kept it and would have continued to build on that foundation of christ but now we've are on the extreme opposite where in some classes you can't even mention the name of Christ. And so why are we emphasizing Christ on campus? Why are we saying we should go back to Christ on campus despite where we are today in society? Why are we now saying, no, let's go back to Christ being on campus? So I believe that there is a call for us to return back to Christ being on campus for the sole reason that times are getting darker. So mm-hmm. we know that um, we are living in the end times and that um, Jesus Christ is coming back soon. And so with that, like with each day that passes, there are people that are passing away that are not knowing the gospel of Christ, where um, 
you have students, like young, young students, whether they're dying from gun violence, whether they're dying from drugs or whatever the case may be, you realize, um, especially in, um, in the field of nursing, we realize that like a lot of these young people, they're dying very young and chances are that they did not know Christ. And it's come to a realization, I believe worldwide, where it's like, no, it's very wrong for us to have this answer of eternal life and for them to perish literally and not know what their future is like, not know what their eternity is like as well. Mm. And then I think not only just for eternal life's sake, but for life here on earth mm. Um, mm. while they are at school because many students – they go through all of these unspoken struggles, whether it be depression, whether it be anxiety, whether it be family troubles, whatever the case may be, like they're going through it. There's at least one student. And Christ is the answer for all of them. I don't know, like if you're listening, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the exact situation or the circumstance, but I know that Christ is the answer because Christ is always the answer. Whether it's poverty, he's the answer. Whether it's family, he's the answer. Whether it's anger issues, depression, anxiety, he's the answer. And so I feel as though that is the main reason why we're going back to Christ on campus because it's like, no, we need him. And it's coming to a point as well where we're not seeking profits, Mm -hmm. like profit, like money. But we are seeking the word of God. We're seeking true knowledge and power because the word of God says, what would it cost a man if he gains the entire world and loses it's his soul? soul? And so you have these people that may go through their undergrad year, graduate mm. years, not knowing Christ, and they become very successful by God's grace. Mm. Um, but then at the end... It's like, what does it amount to? It's like, what does it and amount And some people to? don't even know what t- goes on on campus. I think that some people have become so mm-hmm. far removed that they don't actually so know yeah. what is happening on campus. I mean, yeah. people have found new ways to sin. The enemy has found new ways to terrorize people. I mean, there are serious things happening on campus. You know, it reminds me of something um, that was shared recently. You know, I think uh, every time we hear about the topic of, um, and this answers the question of why Christ on campus is important, we hear the topic of suicide and everyone becomes all like it unifies everyone. Like, Oh my gosh, that was so terrible. Like, you know, and even when it comes to the gospel, sometimes we just think about the fact that like, okay, this person's going to stand before God and they don't know God and all these things. And that is the most important reason why Christ needs to come on campus. But if we just look at it, right. People who commit suicide, we oftentimes galvanize together and say, man, this was terrible. What were they going through? Right. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we like, we think about the issues of students committing suicide or people in our society. And it's like, man, that's so terrible. But you never take a step further to think what was the condition of their life Mm -hmm. that caused them the things that were going on in their lives that caused them to get to the point where they committed suicide. And this is why Christ on campus is imperative. Students are going through depression, anxiety, fear, confusion. They don't have purpose. And Christ, the Bible says he came to seek and save the lost. Right. And so there are people who are not looking for Christ, but Christ is looking for them and the Mm -hmm. conditions of their life, whether we know it or not, they don't have to wait to end up in hell before they experience a living hell here on earth. They're going through suffering. Parents are going through divorce and students are on campus uh, trying to find themselves, trying to find comfort in all the wrong places and all the wrong things because of what they're facing. And Christ is coming through us as his ambassadors and through anyone who will, you know, receive this mantle, Christ is coming through us to reach those people who are dying and suffering in silence and who seem like they're happy because they're going to parties, they're turning up, they're doing all these things, but they know they're broken inside. They know they're suffering and Christ wants to actually patch them up and to make them. I mean, imagine being on campus. You're trying to go to your classes. You're trying to do well in school, but you're also dealing with something that is terrorizing your soul. I saw the statistics on this um, news article. It's called The Student Life. And um, they surveyed students, and 15% of them said that they had been sexually assaulted. So Mm. imagine, I know at College Park, my classes sometimes had 300 people. That means in my class of 300 people, 45 of them said they had been sexually assaulted. Mm. But even more than that, about 60% said it happened during their freshman year. 
So your first year on campus, away from your parents, you are in this new place, new environment. You have a roommate you don't even know, and you're expected to do well in school. You're taking all these credits and classes that are you can't even comprehend how you're going to pass these classes. And now you're also dealing with the fact that you've been assaulted and it's only your first year. Mm. Why won't the suicide rates be high? Why won't people have depression and anxiety? And that is why we should consider ministry on campus. Cause this is just one example. And there are so many other examples. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, it's very, very painful. I want to start by answering the question you asked. If Harvard University, Stanford, Yale, all of them started on the foundation of faith, how come things were overturned? Yeah. You know, how come they didn't keep it? The answer is simple. The the enemy, anything, anytime Christ shows up, the kingdom of darkness becomes violent. I, and the scripture I wanted to read to Botres is just permit me to read this. What yeah. happened to Jesus Christ himself? Mm. You know, Jesus was just about to start his ministry. Mm. Just look at what happened to him. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness just after his baptism to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yeah. The devil didn't stop. Verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. What? Again, pride. You know, pinnacle of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command these angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Mm. Again, the devil took him a third time to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, all the houses, all the vehicles, mm. all the beautiful women, all everything that people crave for today. And this... I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. Then the next thing you hear is that Jesus begins to preach again. You know, he started preaching and he started saying, the first thing he said, repent for the kingdom of God of heaven has come near. What am I sharing with you? Just look at what the devil puts together in order to stop Jesus from making progress. Mm. He didn't stop. He continued and con- that's what happened with our universities. Mm. Mm. The devil insisted because he knew the potential in young yeah. people. He knew that if he could leave these people in church and go to where they are developing the next generation of people, that he will ruin the nations eventually. Mm. Yes. So he he stayed until he captured and how again can someone just read for us Ephesians chapter three verse ten? Let's see the the real mission of the church which failed. Because mm. if the church had not failed, yeah. Ephesians three verse ten. What do you say? His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So that was God's original purpose, that through the church, God's intention was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to who? To principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. But that failed. Mm. That failed. That has failed. We have not shown any manifold wisdom (laughs) of God. In fact, we're fighting each other. And and then we're fighting each other. We're building (laughs) denominations. We're building more houses. Instead of building people, we're buying land. We're building, uh, you know, edifices everywhere, you know. know, But then the manifold power of God that's supposed to deliver Mm. is Mm. not showing. Mm. And these things we are doing have disengaged us from Mm. campuses. Mm. The early church saw the vision of campuses mm. and took over. Today's vision is my small church. Mm. How do I pay my mortgage? So mm. that's one thing. I mean, that w- when you said it, how come we lost it? Mm. We lost it because Satan persevered, but the church gave up. Mm. Mm. 
It's mm. time for the church to wake up. Mm. Every church that has sense should look at the schools around them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. BCF is not thriving to be the only campus ministry in the world. Mm. If every church will become a neighbor to the campus around them, mm. things will change. Oh, yeah. If the elders and the women and the young people will say, okay, mm. we're going to just take care of campus students. We're going to cook food for them mm -hmm. and pray for them. Dedicate drivers and buses to pick them to come to the, to the church so they can hear the authentic gospel. I'm not talking about picking them up to abuse them. Mm. But sometimes <laughs> we pick them up and we also start abusing them like mm. Satan would abuse them. Mm -hmm. So people will start sleeping with the girls. People will start uh, abusing the girls, yeah. abusing the boys. Mm. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about feeding them with authentic gospel. So why, are we, why do we need to go to campus? Mm. That's the question. It is not optional. Amen. Yeah, Satan cannot be smarter than us. Mm. Satan is recruiting from campuses. Mm. Yeah. He goes there to recruit. In diverse ways. Yes, mm -hmm. in many ways. Even from elementary school. The, 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 the alcoholics supply alcohol to the campuses. Mm. The drug addicts supply, supply drugs to the campuses. Mm. The sexual abusers, the, the homosexuals, the gay, they, you know, they recruit. They, I mean, everybody has made the campus their headquarters mm. <laughs> except the body of Christ. Christ. Of Christ. Yeah. We, not, we even send our own children to those campuses after training them in our churches and we forget about them mm. and they come back home totally different from what we intended. Yeah. Yeah. So it is time to get if back what we campus. believe is really true, it's time to repent. Wow. Amen. Wow. That was powerful. Um, and as you're speaking, Uncle George, um, I was reminded of the fact that, man, in a lot of ways, Christ has to show up on my campus before he can show up in my workplace or in my family or in any other sphere that I find myself in. That was what I was hearing in my head as you were speaking, right? And let me break it down a little bit. What does that mean, right? Like college is interesting, and the question we're looking at is why does campus ministry matter, right? I mean, the thing is, college is an interesting place because it's the only place where you'll find your peers teaching peers, right? In classes, you have what, TAs, right? And mm -hmm. these are people who took the class last semester. They did well. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they are now what? Turning around and teaching, teaching. their yes. peers, mm -hmm. right? The next semester. They're yes. teaching the next semester, right? I was an RA on campus for four years, bro. Oh, my goodness. Did not like that job. But it was funny because my first year, I was, and I was, um, I was 18 my freshman year of college. So by the time I was an RA, like I was basically a head over all the residents, 60 residents on a floor. And most of them were a couple months within of my birthday. They were basically my peers. Mm. And I was writing these people up, you know, I was, I was <laughs> making events for these people. You know what I'm saying? Like college is already this place where people, where peers lead their peers. Right. And I have a testimony to share. You know, it wasn't until Christ showed up on my campus. And what I mean by Christ showed up, right. Because we are the hands and feet of Jesus right here in the land of the living before uh, before Christ could show up on my actually after Christ showed up on my campus through me right he was able to then work through me in every other sphere of my life right now I have a verse to share um, that we were looking at that was really timely but the verse comes from uh, Hebrews 5 it's verse 13 and 14 it says for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There's a very key verse there, right? Those who, by reason of use, have had what? Their senses exercised, exercised right? This is so powerful. Um, it wasn't until I had had the opportunity to not just uh, be evangelized to, have the gospel shared with me, uh, be discipled, and then, you know, actually going and then being empowered to minister to others that I was able to then go to my workplace as an RA because as an RA that I worked where I lived, right? I had coworkers, co-RAs. And for the first time in my life, the Lord gave me the privilege of seeing someone go from being a completely 
someone who knew nothing about the gospel to actually becoming a Christian, an Amen. actual Christian, right? And this is a very quick testimony, but I remember by my last year in college, I was like the senior most member of my staff. And, uh, you know, at that point, everyone else was like, you know, mostly a new RA, maybe one year, two years into the job. And I remember there was this one particular girl who was new to the staff. She was a junior at the time, but she was like first year RA. And she was Hindu. She was actually raised Hindu, right? So she grew up in a household with like many gods, you Mm -hmm. know, she grew up not knowing anything about Jesus. She literally did not know who Jesus was for real, for real. And I remember that first night, maybe a weekend after meeting her, we were in the lobby somewhere just chatting and um, a topic came up. I don't even remember exactly what the topic was, but it was something along the lines of like, what are you thankful for? Like, what, what's, what are you like really thankful for recently? I don't even know how it came up, but I just started sharing, right? Just out of an abundance of joy, just how God has given me a body that works, you know, a mind to control it with, you know, school, I'm almost done with this degree, all these different things. I was just giving glory to God. And, uh, you know, this girl was looking at me and you could tell she was like receiving what I was saying. Like she was just very intently listening. And after I was done, she said, wow, I've never heard it articulated like that. And you know what? I've been feeling a similar way. Like I've been thinking, man, like my life is actually really good, but how am I just blessed just to be blessed? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's someone I should be thanking, you know? And this was OC. I was like, all right, says, let me tell you about who you should be thanking. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I shared the gospel with her that night. And I kid you not, within three months, uh, sis was coming to Bible study, not, not BCF, a different Bible study, but, you know, she went to a Bible study that, you know, she was able to get plugged into. Um, by the end of the year, I literally got a text saying, Hey, I wanted to just let you know, um, I became a Christian today. Like I actually, I got plugged into a local church and I gave my life to Christ and the Lord privileged me of being able to see Christ on campus because after seeing Christ on campus, I was empowered to then bring Christ to what? My workplace, right? And, you know, that's not the only testimony of testifying to coworkers, um, but it just goes to show that, like, man, God is able, right? I think Abigail said this earlier, but God is actually able, right? It doesn't have to be you. And, in fact, if it is you, you know, we're going to fall short, but God is able. And those who have, by use by reason of use, have exercised, right? I don't even remember what the verse says exactly. Mm -hmm. Those who, by reason of use, have had their senses exercised, man, they get the the ability to discern good and evil. So um, in a very simple word, why must campus ministry exist is because, man, your faith and your productivity and your fruitfulness as a believer quite literally depends on it. Um, Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, just one other thing I wanted to add as we, you know, kind of have this conversation. I think the student population, young adults, youth is some is a, a demographic that the church has often struggled with. I mean, many of us, we all go to different churches and things like that. And many can testify of the fact that, you know, it's sometimes a struggle to be able to connect with the church or having a, a vibrant, viable youth and young adult community. And it's for that reason that ministries like BCF and, and campus ministries actually specialize in reaching students by the power of the anointing. Uh, we're able to really help the the actual body of Christ, the institution of the church, to really be effective. I think in these past few years, we've seen more what I'll call uh, just gimmickry in some ways in which uh, the church has tried to outreach to youth and young adults, focusing more so on superficial things rather than the actual gospel. But I think coming to BCF and being a part of this ministry and being trained to reach young adults, it's refreshing to know that they still respond to the anointing of God, right? Mm -hmm. They still respond to the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to make it about trying to draw them with enticing words or cool programs or lights and smoke uh, devices and all those things. And like, you know, you know, praise God for all those things, but we can have all those things and not have the anointing, right? Drawing people more with the aesthetic than with the anointing. I think um, it's necessary that campus ministries come to specialize and say, Hey, like, Students still respond to the power of God, and that's what we need to contend for, not for trying to make people happy or make people feel good or just trying to 
do everything to almost pacify or pamper them so that they at least stay in the church because yeah. so much of the things to stay in the church has led people away further from the church because we're not addressing the real things that they're going through like we already talked about they're going mm-hmm. through deep darkness and they're being introduced to it at a young age even elementary school I mean BCF is only in uh, high school and college but we maybe need to go to middle school or something oh because goodness. the way that they're being introduced to these things yeah and one scripture in second Kings uh, 22 verse 1 the Bible says Josiah became king at eight, eight years, years old. old he was eight years old when he became king so people are being put into Massive power, massive of influential positions from younger and younger ages. And the sooner they find Christ, the better. Um, one last scripture I just want to read really quickly so we can see the contrast to this. Because we know Josiah was a good king. But Second Chronicles 28 verse 19, it says, The Lord brought Judah low because Ahaz, the king of Israel, he had encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. So this is a king. The Bible teaches that leadership matters because this man encouraged moral decline of an entire generation, of an entire nation. And if we can reach students when they're leaders in their formative years before they become you know, those massive leaders and influencers, then um, they can be great uh, impact for Christ. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I have a scripture here. It says, um, First Corinthians 13, from verse 4, it says, Love, it says, it, verse 3, If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where, you know, I can stop there. If you look into our campuses today, you will see that none of these qualities still exists. What you have is killings. Mm. What you have is suicide. Mm. What you have is total darkness. What you have is impatience. What you have is envy. What you have is what you have is boastful, you know, pride. Confusion. You know, confusion. People are in darkness, abuses. He just talked about people being raped. You know, young women, there are actually people that have made it a business. To, to ambush young women and young men coming into campus who know nothing. There are some people that it's their business. Mm. They look for those cycles so they can come and invade them mm. and and, sh- and take them away from their loved ones, introduce them to a different kind of life. It's going on mm. on our campuses. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've been on campus now for almost 30 years in different parts of the world. And I see how people... Even the older students wait for these young, naive mm. students yeah. who come in asking for where the, where is the next classroom? How, wh- wh- where, is, where is that uh, uh, building located? You know, people target them and introduce them to different kinds of lifestyles that they don't recover from mm. through their college education. Mm. Mm. That's why Christ needs to be on campus. That's why organizations like ours, uh, we have to be there at the orientations. Mm. We have to be there to tell the believers because many of these kids come in as believers. Mm. Their parents nurtured them, trained them well, but the devil waits for them to come yeah. and he plucks mm. them out. Yeah. So Christ is needed on campus. It's not optional. If for nothing, just to receive believers, mm. give them a landing yeah. platform. Yeah. So that they are not smashed, so they are not broken by mm-hmm. darkness as quickly as they arrive. Yeah, and then I just wanted just to say, like you know, you brought up the example of like rape or things like that. You know, um, a lot of times we, you know, BCF and campus ministry that's doing real spiritual ministry is not just here to. We're not uh, organizations that are just merely our focus is not trying to stop these activities from happening, right? Because the person who uh, gets raped or who rapes another person, right? It's a mindset. It's a desire. It's something that's inside of them. That's causing them to do these things, right? Like the kingdom of God is here to transform people's mind and to transform their heart, to transform their soul. Um, we're not just here to say, stop doing this, stop doing that. Of course we want to stop these things from happening, but we're not stopping it from the external point of view. We Mm -hmm. want to transform the hearts and the souls of men. Mm -hmm. If you guys can see what I'm saying, you know, in fact, for the person who comes on campus who um, 
starts going to parties, starts getting into drugs. They may even find themselves being a person who rapes someone else under the influence of the, the culture of the world that they have been following because they went to their first party, they went to these different things, they got intoxicated, and they ended up doing something that they regret for the rest of their life, right? The Bible says in 1 John 5, uh, 19, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So there are many people whose minds and hearts are under the influence of the enemy. They're on campus and they find themselves delving deeper and deeper into darkness. And as a campus ministry, we're spiritually minded to say we're here to rescue students from the very thing that's motivating and influencing them and guiding them into a path of darkness, into a path of brokenness. So BCF ministries like ours, campus ministries are here for the victim and for the person who is potentially going to be, be a, someone who raped someone, mm-hmm. right? Because they didn't have Christ. They didn't have the understanding of walking with Christ and honoring God with their life, right? Like, I think this is something that's super important for us to understand and to realize that as we um, think about and talk about what we're doing in campus ministry, that we realize that we're not just here trying to transform the outward man. Of course, that's a byproduct. That's the important result. But we're transforming them from the inside out by delivering them the gospel that saves their soul, that saves their, the, the soul from being influenced by the devil because you're only influenced by one or two kingdoms, either the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. And many people, mm. because they're being influenced by the kingdom of darkness, they're not introduced to the truth of the gospel. They're living their life, whether they think it's by their own power, their own strength, they're still being influenced by the evil one, right? And we're trying to bring the influence of Christ to influence the hearts of men. Mm. Amen. Amen. I think one thing that has made campus ministry hard, um, we've, we've talked about it, how churches have kind of backed away from campus because it can be difficult is because like we talked about, there is that resistance. Um, and I think a lot of times we talk about, you know, other countries that are going through persecution in the sense of, you know, if you mention Christ, you'll be beheaded or you have to have church underground. I don't think the church recognizes at least here in the Western part of the world here in America, what our persecution looks like. Mm. And it's that resistance, the resistance that causes us to be quiet. Yeah, intimidation. The resistance that intimidates us, that yeah. causes us to, you know, say, okay, you know what? Let's just back down. Okay, Backlash, you know what? Laws yeah. are changing. Let's just back down. Let's not let our church not get canceled. Let our mm-hmm. pastor not get canceled. Let's not be put in jail or, 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 or be projected in a certain light. But the Bible literally says anyone who desires to live a righteous life in Christ will suffer persecution. persecution. And so I think if 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 we we've seen the value in campus ministry, we've talked about it, but if we truly want to go all the way, we have to remember that there is going to be resistance and we have to prepare ourselves to not only face but to push through that resistance knowing that God is on our side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And the way that we get that boldness and that fuel to continue even in the midst of resistance is here. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 14 to 15, it says for Christ's love compels us. The love of Christ that we have received, it compels us. It behooves us. It pushes us. Why? Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We are convinced that because Christ died, we should not live for ourselves anymore. And so that means that we also live to do what Christ did. And Christ also cared about the campus. Um, we do have to wrap up. This is a very good conversation, but I want to give you all the opportunity just to share your, your nugget, your last bit um, that you want to share for the person who is listening. Maybe this person is on, is on campus and they're thinking about um, campus ministry or somebody who's not on campus who's like, okay, how can I get involved in campus? Why should I get involved in campus ministry? Um, how is this relevant to me? So you can share just your last final thoughts on this um, first episode of this topic. Yep, Abigail, you can go ahead and go first. Yes, so for the person that is uh, considering campus ministry or, like, even considering, like, okay, I understand after this episode the importance of campus ministry, but where do I start? Um, Like, you know, I don't have an organization. I don't have, like, all these – I don't have, like, a big name. Start with where you're at. So if you are listening to me, more more likely you're in college. If you're in college, more likely you have a roommate. Start with that roommate mm-hmm. and just have your life be a light. That's good. And you will be surprised to realize just the students that will actually come to you because of the light that you carry. So you may not necessarily 
be like, hey, Jesus. Like, you may not necessarily open with that, but just the way you carry yourself, the way you talk to them, the way you treat them, whether it be a smile, whether it be a hey, how you doing, um, just let your light, just let your life be an example and be a light. And then in that, you will notice that God will begin to bring people to you. And then in that, you essentially are becoming God's, like you are God's platform in mm-hmm. that sense because people are realizing, hey, there's this person on campus that carries this particular type of light. Now, they may not be able to articulate what kind of light it is, but they know that when I come to this person, I get peace. Mm. When I come to this person, I feel very safe. And it's not you, but it's God. And so I would just say, just let God use you in any capacity, um, whether big or small. And when you are faithful with little, God will bless you with much. That's my nugget. Amen. Let your light shine. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I would just um, encourage um, any person who's listening to this, who's in a position where if you uh, were like I was, uh, you're a student maybe transitioning from one uh, field of uh, education to another, um, to get connected to like-minded believers, right? And to know that you can do more than just survive in your faith, you can thrive um, and begin to um, bring Christ on campus as you allow Christ to be formed in you first. Um, And just getting connected, plugged into people who are actually um, doing those very things because you can leave your campus knowing that you've impacted it and been of a great impact. I've graduated uh, for many years now and I still go back on campus to mentor schools and to be of impact and to be of value because I know what my time on campus did for me by having other believers pour into me. So no matter what position you find yourself in relation to um, uh, school, whether high school, college, whether graduate, um, there's a place for you that you can be used by God to help another student who's growing up um, and if you're a student, you can, you know, be established and sustained in your faith and even grow and thrive, um, as you're on the campus. So, um, I think I'd like to encourage that person who is, um, who's not actually blinded to the fact that God has a calling on your life. Um, you're not unaware that you have been called to preach the gospel and to share who Jesus is and what he's done for you, but you feel like your fear is keeping you back, right? For that mm. person who is afraid. Um, I want to remind you of John, I think it's 832, right? It says that, uh, you know, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. The reality is this, right? Um, if the scriptures truly mean that the truth will set us free and the word of God is our truth, the truth about creation, the truth about the creator and the truth about his love, then if the truth is what sets us free, then it's clear to see that lies are what keeps us in bondage, right? If the truth is what sets us free, then lies are what keeps us in bondage, and fear is a lie. It's a lie. It's actually not that long ago, I think me and Toby were having a convo convo about how fear is kind of like a scarecrow, right? It looks (laughs) (laughs) big and intimidating and Mm. menacing, but the moment you push past it, you realize, wow, there's really no substance to this thing, right? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, right? That's a fact, right? But I'm sure even if, you know, the scriptures haven't made themselves as as clear as that to you yet, you've probably had an experience, right? Where, you know, you, you were afraid of talking to somebody, right? Maybe you were afraid of how they might perceive you or whatever the case may be. And you've seen um, after, you know, the ball gets rolling, after the ice gets broken, the interaction was completely fine, right? Literally nothing bad happened. The reality is like every other normal social scenarios are like that, but sharing the gospel is the same way, right? Like Mm. for some reason when it comes to sharing our faith, we think nobody wants to hear about what we have to say. It's not true. Fear is a liar, right? And it's from the devil. So um, to that person who's afraid, um, be encouraged, right? Be encouraged because knowing the truth will set you free. It will set you free. So hold on to it um, and the Lord will help you. Amen. That's good. Amen. Amen. I will sing a song. <laughs> Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is no order. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. 
Above him there's no order. Jesus is the way. The world is seeking for an answer. Mm. Many of us have gone to the university thinking that that's where there is an answer. <laughs> that your degree is an answer. Mm. That social life and relationships will give you the answer you need. That getting high will be the answer, whether it be through drugs or alcohol. But the more you have tried, the more you've tried, the more you've tried, the more you have struggled, the more you have failed. I want to let you know that campus life is not the answer. Mm. You have to get back on your knees to look at look for the author of life Jesus Christ himself said I am the way mm. the truth and the life the way out of your sorrow the way out of your pain the way out of your sicknesses and diseases the way out of your psychological and mental challenges Jesus is the way if you will just forget about your pride and humble yourself on that campus, or anywhere, in fact, and say to the Lord that you, you see you can't help yourself. It's the way out of the desires, your inordinate ambitions, the desires, secret desires you have that you've carried, the desire to rape, the desire to, 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 to fornicate, the desire to you know, live in adultery, to live a perverted life, that desire can be taken away just in a moment. If you will go back to the, go on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. As simple as that. If you can just be humble. This is for the professor as well as the students on campus. Mm. It's for the janitor as well as the tenure track, you know, professors and staff. God is willing and open. Our campuses have been hijacked by the devil. And that's not God's original plan. We can come back to the Lord. So I will end by singing another song. <laughs> <laughs> Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and thou that bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. The second verse to that I'm not going to sing, I'll just read it. It says, Just as I am, though tossed about with many conflicts, mm. many doubts, fighting and fears within and without, O Lamb of God, I come. So I plead with you to come as you are. Just come as you are. I remember that day, that morning, June 10, 1987. I didn't know this song, but as soon as I said, Lord, I give you my life, the Holy Ghost gave me this song. I began to sing this song, my brethren. I cannot, every time I sang it for it, I cried. Even now, I'm talking about 35 years after, I just started singing just as I am, I come. It was after I finished and gave my life to God that I realized this was really a hymn. Mm. You know, and people were singing it. I cried that day, and I still cry when I say, just as I am, a wretched man saved by grace. Mm. So I invite you, I invite you, I invite you, I invite you, and I invite your friends, not to the conference now, mm. but to Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Amen. The Lord, will, he will hear you, he will receive you, and he will restore you. Amen. 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 Thank you all. This has been a wonderful conversation, um, powerful conversation, encouraging conversation. For those who are listening, um, I hope you have 
just received and understood why it is important that we go back on campus. And in our next episode, we will talk about how to do ministry on campus. Now that we know why, let's then talk about the how. So do stay tuned for the next episode. I just want to close out with this scripture from Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read from verse 14 because a lot of the times we hear about the news of what's going on on campus and we just say, man, these students need Jesus. These students need help. But here's what it says in verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Here is the truth. God is sending us back to campus. And like Mark said, the campus was literally created for the gospel to thrive. So with that, we're going to pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and we thank you for your Holy Spirit who is ministering to us even now. Father, I pray God that you would open up our eyes to see and open up our ears to hear what you are saying. Father, I pray that Lord, you would captivate our hearts, compel us by your love. Oh God, Father, we see that the campus is pivotal and I pray that you would draw us back. Father, the Puritans understood it. The Presbyterians, they got it. They caught the revelation. Father, I pray that we would catch it too. That Lord, that ancient landmark of campuses being a place for Christ to come and invade our hearts. Father, we pray that we would see it again in our lifetime. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you because indeed revival is coming to our campuses again. The story will change. A new song will come forth. We bless you, oh God, for you are doing a new thing and we are grateful to be a part of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. God bless.